Welcome to the All About Alts podcast, where we explore the world of alternative investing to help you find financial independence. Join our host, Newview Trust's president, Jason DeBono, as he covers a variety of topics with different guest speakers to discuss tax and alternative investing strategies. It is never too late to start taking control of your financial future, and we are so excited for you to be joining us for this opportunity to hear from some of the best in the business. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the All About Alt podcast. I am Jason DeBono, your host, and we are excited to have you here with us. Today's topic is all about building wealth through health. So we're going to talk about a high deductible health insurance plan, and we're going to talk about a health savings account that bolts alongside that plan. We're talking about how to actually use your health insurance as a strategy to build wealth. And we're going to talk about both the insurance side of things, and we'll give full disclosure that I'm not an insurance salesman or licensed sales professional. And then we're going to talk about why that insurance decision matters as it relates to setting up a health savings account and gaining an extra tax advantage tool to start saving in and investing in. So as we go through today, we're going to cover a lot of different topics, but the moral of today is to really think differently about the way that we view our insurance. Yes, we have to carry health insurance of some kind. Yes, it's important. And yes, it matters to the selection that we make. But inside of that decision-making tree, there's some things we ought to be thinking about from a back-end standpoint. How can we save more money? How can we get more of these medical expenses back? Or how can we get tax advantages to pay for medical expenses, maybe that aren't available to us today? So we're going to walk through that. I want to make sure everyone understands from the get-go I'm not here to sell you insurance. I'm not here to sell you a particular brand or type of insurance. In fact, I'm not licensed, nor do I get paid to sell insurance. So I'm here to help you understand the thought process and maybe some of the decisions that go into or things to be considered when figuring out what type of insurance is best for you. The second thing that I want to make sure is that I understand that health is individual. So I'll make some blanket statements today about you could, you should consider this. But please know, as you guys all have individual health needs and issues that you deal with individually, your insurance needs and decisions may be much different maybe than mine or the person you know that's listening today. So just be mindful of that. I'm not here to isolate any one particular situation, and I recognize it can be a very polarizing subject for many of you. But we're going to try to talk at a high level today, and we're going to try to really focus in on this health savings account. We're going to focus in on high deductible health insurance and really start to talk about why these plans should be considered. And maybe they make sense in in your overall planning picture, and maybe they don't. But we'll let each of you guys be the judge of that. So let's dig right into it. So those of you that may not be familiar with kind of the general uh, premise of how health insurance works, I'll give you what I think is the quick 30-second primer. Again, I'll do it under the disclosure that I'm not in, in the insurance world. But when I look at insurance, there's really a couple different types of plans, but I really boil them down into two. One is what I refer to as copay plans, or the marketplace refers to as copay plans. So if you think about a copay plan, it means that you are copaying right alongside the insurance company. So most plans and most people that have worked at larger institutions are going to be familiar with this copay type insurance. I don't feel well. I go to the doctor. I have the sniffles. It's 20 bucks. I do it tomorrow. It's 20 bucks. I do it the next day. It's 20 bucks. That's my copay. My insurance is buying me the right to go to the doctor for that copay. Should I need a prescription or should there be something that comes out of that? There's also a predefined copay associated with that. So what it typically means is that my insurance is really doing the bulk of the heavy lifting and I'm copaying along the way. 
The second type of insurance is what we refer to as high deductible insurance. This is out-of-pocket insurance, right? The easiest way I can kind of describe this is this is more catastrophic insurance as opposed to day-to-day insurance. So to analogize this back to our copay plan, if I go to the doctor, I'm there because I've got the sniffles, I don't have a $20 copay, I have to pay for my visit. Now I'm going to get a negotiated rate, maybe it's 60 bucks or 80 bucks, but my insurance is not paying for that. My insurance, if I need to go get a prescription, other than some pre-negotiated rates, is not going to cover that either. I'm out of pocket until I reach what's considered my high deductible and I reach the point where my insurance now kicks in fully. So if you kind of think about this, best way I can help us kind of walk through this and the way that we view insurance is if for those of you that drive and have car insurance, chances are your deductible on your car insurance is going to be around 500 bucks. I think it's the most common car insurance deductible. Now you can get a deductible that is only 50 bucks or you can get a deductible that's a thousand bucks. The reason people tend to center in on 500 is because they're willing to come out of pocket if they get a door ding, right? You're not going to call your insurance company because someone pushed a shopping cart into your vehicle. You're going to go pay the 80 or hundred bucks it may cost to get that fixed at a local scratch and dent. Yet With health insurance, you're able to insure that same way. High deductible health insurance says, I'm willing to cover the little stuff, the sniffles, the doctor visits, but I don't want to be in a position where I've got a $10,000 bill and I can't pay for it. No different than I don't want to have a car accident that's a total loss of my car and I've got to come out of pocket or be in a car accident that costs $10,000 to fix the vehicle. I'd rather have my $500 deductible and know that I'm insured. So when we think about insurance, it's really something that you have to challenge yourself and look at. And I'll tell you a couple stories that kind of help me understand this a lot better. About 10, 15 years ago or so, right before I switched and have been on high deductible health insurance since, I was at the dentist. It was the end of the year. I was getting some work done, a cleaning, et cetera. And when I wrapped up, there was a, you know, you go down and you go into the payment area and you sit there and you meet with the individual that helps wrap up the meeting. She looked at me and she said, is there anything that you want to get scheduled before the end of the year? We had maybe a few weeks left. You still have $800 of eligible expenses on your insurance that we can put towards that sort of maintenance or whatever you want to do. And I thought to myself, well, what would I ever schedule, right? I don't want to have root canal or anything. So I think I'm good there, but it hit me like a ton of bricks. My dental insurance plan pre-bought me the right to go spend the money. So if I didn't spend that seven or 800 bucks that she referenced, guess who wins? The insurance company. So when we think about insurance, we tend to think about it with through the lens of, I want to pay the least right on my insurance, but I'm not going to be willing to come out of pocket. So I want to pay the least on the back end too. And typically those two things don't go hand in hand. The more that I come out of pocket for my premiums, right? The less typically that I'm going to have to pay up front. So many people have higher premiums, right? They pay more per month, but their out of pocket is much lower. And the game that you're playing with the insurance company is how much more will I spend on the insurance and will I have any claims that would offset it? If you've got no claims, you overpaid. If you have lots of claims, you underpaid, right? It's a little bit of cat and mouse. So what I love and what what I kind of looked at from the insurance side was if I drive my premium down, 
Well, in order to get my premium to the lowest amount, typically the insurance company is going to require me to be out of pocket more, which makes sense, right? They're willing to let me pay them less up front if I'm willing to ensure that they're less out of pocket for most small expenses. That's the trade-off. So the more your premium, typically the less out of pocket that you have, the lower your premium, right? The less you pay the insurance company, the higher you're out of pocket. So in order to, to be considered high deductible health plans, which is defined by the IRS specifically, your out of pocket has to be at least $1,600 on a individual plan and $3,200 on a family plan. So what that means is that if I have an individual high deductible health plan, and my insurance coverage doesn't kick in until I meet my deductible, which is the $1,600. So that means that I'm at risk of being $1,600 out of pocket, right, for whatever medical needs I have through the course of the year. Anything over $1,600 will have some form of, usually the insurance kicks in fully. Sometimes there's a split, but for the most part, I'm insuring everything above the $1,600 waterline. So now compare and contrast that to how much money will you save on that insurance premium. So if I save 50 bucks a month on my premium to be in a high deductible health plan, and I have a $1,600 deductible, the math works out like this. $50 per month over 12 months will save me in my pocket today $600. Throughout the course of the year, I have to be out of pocket for any of my expenses up to the $1,600. So there's a delta or variance of about a thousand bucks. If I don't go to the doctor, right, at all, then I come out 600 bucks ahead because that 600 bucks is a monthly payment that's savings into my pocket. If I do use my insurance and I, let's say, max out my high deductible portion, I'm 1,600 out of pocket, which means it came at a thousand dollar loss. So what you have to do is figure out where those numbers are for you. Would you take a bet to save $600 at the expense of spending an extra thousand? Well, that depends on your situation. So when we look at health insurance, we want to make sure that we're truly evaluating and not just jumping to a copay plan, but we're truly evaluating what the difference is from a coverage standpoint and what this actual high deductible program really means, because it will be lower in premiums right? Your premium almost always will be significantly lower. The question is, is it low enough to justify moving to a high deductible plan versus remaining on a copay? The second piece, and we'll dig into both of these a little bit deeper in the second half of today's show, but the second piece of this that's really important is from a wealth building standpoint is the IRS and the government and Congress have said, if you're going to be on a health insurance plan, that means you are out of pocket more then we want to incentivize you to save money so that if you do go to the doctor and it costs you 80 bucks, that you've got 80 bucks already earmarked so that you're not going to the doctor and not actually having the means to pay. So they created a plan called a health savings account. Now there's a bunch of different flexible spending accounts and various names that are all a little bit beyond me. But the one thing that I want to make sure everybody understands about this HSA is it's your money and you don't lose it. So this is not like an MSA. It's not a flexible spending account. It's not a plan that expires at 1231, use it or lose it. This is yours to keep. So if you set up an HSA account and you contribute to it, 
you're now getting tax benefits because you're getting a deduction on your taxes. This is a credit or a deduction for everybody. So there's no income restriction. You can make a billion bucks a year and still get a discount on your taxes for making an HSA contribution. The second thing that I love about an HSA that's so powerful, unlike any other plan that's tax advantaged, you're either taxed on the way in or the way out, right? There's some tax, way in, way out. Pay on the seed, pay on the crop. In an HSA, if you use the money for qualifying or qualifying medical expenses, you do not pay tax on your withdrawal either. That includes the growth. So when we talk about building wealth, it's all about saving money and investing it. And we, we've had so many people on the podcast about strategies and thoughts and ideas on the investment. We're going to go back a step and say, how do we get more money into these accounts to invest? So to sum up kind of the first part here, an HSA is a tool that is bolted onto high deductible health insurance. High deductible health insurance begins when your deductible, which is 100% your responsibility, at $1,600 on an individual plan, $3,200 on a family plan. That savings, right, by being in a high deductible plan on your premium could and should be used to offset the cost of medical expenses throughout the year. And in a perfect world, your medical expenses will cost less than your savings of your high deductible health insurance plan. And therefore, you have a surplus. And that surplus sits in your health savings account, tax deductible on the way in and tax free, including growth on the way out. So if you kind of look at this differently and say, hey, I'm not just looking to get insurance coverage just to have it. I'm looking to get the right insurance coverage with the right program and the right plan that allows me to maximize my wealth building potential. So we're going to talk here in the second half very deliberately about you know some of the things that HSAs can do. What are the rules? What are the guidelines? But I want to talk just quickly on this H or on the high deductible health plan. A lot of employers are moving to high deductible health plans. In fact, a lot of, of carriers really like the high deductible health plans because what it does is it helps minimize some of maybe the medical expenses that may not be necessary. You know, do I need to go to the doctor because I have the sniffles? Right? Can I use telehealth? Is that a cheaper, less expensive way? Well, if I'm on a copay, I'm going to go straight to the doctor because it's only 20 bucks. Right. So now I'm at risk of getting other people sick. I'm maybe putting long lines at, at the urgent care. Whereas the same exact symptom for me on a high deductible health plan, I would never go to the doctor. Right. I would use a lot of these high deductible health plans have free telehealth services. So I, I may want to get checked out, but I may let it run its course or wait an extra day. And so from an insurance standpoint, they love that because it's one less doctor visit. It's one less this. It's one less that, which are all expenses to the insurance company. So there's a lot of incentive to be in high deductible health plans. We're also seeing a lot of employer incentive. And a lot of you may be missing out on an employer incentive that's in front of you that you may not have taken the time to kind of research or understand. Many employers are not just encouraging people to move to HSAs, but they're also willing to rebate some of the savings to the employer in the form of an HSA contribution. So here at Newview, you know, we give to our employees that have an HSA coupled with their high deductible plan, we actually give them money towards their HSA because if they choose that program, it's actually less expensive for us as an employer. Now, no one's forced into doing that. If they want to be on a, a copay system, they can be on a copay system. But we want to make sure to reward 
as an incentive, if they feel comfortable being in a high deductible plan, which saves us all money, we're both sharing in that saved funds together. The other thing is being in the business of people using retirement accounts and special purpose plans like HSAs to buy alternatives. We love the fact that we're jumpstarting our employees' ability and desire to go out and use this HSA and invest into alternatives in a tax advantage manner, which is huge. So I'll give you just a quick story and we'll move on here, but I want to give you a quick story about how this math works. A couple of years ago, I got a call from my brother. My brother's a year older and he called and asked about high deductible health insurance. He was going through open enrollment with his company. And for the first time in, in the few years that he had worked there, they had offered an HSA. Not only did they offer an HSA coupled with high deductible health insurance, they also offered him 500 bucks in contributions towards his HSA. So when we started kind of talking through it, you know, I said, well, first of all, it really depends on what you're doing in your medical situation, you know, before you even make a decision on whether the HSA is valuable. But I kind of asked him a few questions and we started kind of talking through the why behind it. My first question was, are you at the doctor frequently? And I knew the answer to these questions, by the way, but are you using your insurance regularly? Is there things that you're using? Is there medication that you're taking, et cetera? And he said, look, I haven't been to the doctor in two years. I don't go to the doctor. My brother's the type that he wouldn't go even uh, with an ailment. I mean, he's going to have to be dragged in there. And so I said, well, from that standpoint, you're buying insurance and you're not using it at all. So let's look at the financials on this. When I'm talking to my brother and, and I'm kind of saying, hey, Chris, if you save $120 a month over the course of 12 months, that's like 1400 bucks, right? So if you take that 1400 bucks and then you take the additional 500 bucks that your employer is offering you, that's 19-ish hundred dollars that you're now putting into a savings vehicle. Now, that means that you would have to spend 1900 bucks a year in medical expenses for this to not be a worthwhile endeavor. However, on the other side of that, you have the risk up to your deductible. Now, I can't remember the exact numbers, but we'll round and just say that his deductible in that plan was 3000 bucks. So what that meant was that if he did have a, a medical need or maybe he was in an accident and he maxed out his deductible, he has to be out of pocket three grand. So when we started going through the numbers, here's how I tried to help him understand the value proposition on both ends. So if you spend 3000 bucks this year and you do need your catastrophic insurance, right? And you do have the use for that, you're out of pocket $1100. Now that 1100 bucks is the $3000 that that he's owes for his copay, but it's less than $1900 that his employer and his cost savings are offsetting. So in that scenario, he's at risk of losing 1100 bucks, but he has the opportunity to earn 1900 bucks. The beauty of this is that if he doesn't use it this year, he keeps it into next year. So if you factor this out into months, his break-even point to where he's always in the positive is really about 20 months or 18 months because every month of savings on his premium that he puts in his HSA plus the 500 from his employer gets him closer to that $3,000 mark. Once he has 3000 bucks in his HSA, that means that he can use his catastrophic insurance that year and be out of pocket zero because he can withdraw the 3000 bucks from his HSA. 
So for him, this was a no-brainer. Now, he's been on an HSA for quite a few years, and he's done really well. He's been able to save. He hasn't used his insurance. Thankfully, he hasn't had a need. And he's so far now in into the profit whereby he could have full catastrophic need for his insurance this year and next, and still probably not empty out his HSA. So when I share that story, because it's it's real world, it's near and dear to me, but I love being able to have that discussion with folks because that opportunity, if he didn't get the information, he may have just selected copay insurance and he would be happy to have that insurance and he'd be happy when he used it, but he wouldn't be realizing how much money he's been leaving on the table. So let that be the biggest kind of lesson that we take out of the first part of today's podcast is that just because what you have is good doesn't mean the alternative can't be better. So again, I'm not telling everyone to go run down and change their insurance to high deductible, but I am encouraging you to do a few things. Number one, price it. If you did not compare your copay program against a high deductible program, you can't make a fair comparison. Second thing is, is take the premium savings and anticipate putting it all right into an HSA. If you're just going to move to high deductible health insurance, save the hundred bucks a month and put it in your pocket and go spend it, not a good strategy because you're going to get caught with medical expenses at some point and you may not have the capital to do it. So any premium savings that you get has to go into your HSA for this to be an effective wealth building strategy. And then lastly, is your employer offering you incentives to be in a high deductible plan and are you taking advantage of it? If you're not, maybe we're talking to your HR, to, to whomever handles your benefit program and understand, is there an opportunity there? So you may, you know, we're going to be an open enrollment again here in the end of the year. You may be on a fiscal level open enrollment, but make sure that you're really looking at that because that was a sweetener for my brother that really made it an easy decision because that pushed him over the 50%. He had more to earn than he did to lose. Right. Some people, maybe the numbers shake out where they have less to earn, but more to lose. And so you got to be cautious. So with that said, we're going to kick things over to our quirky questions of the day, as you guys know, my favorite segment. And then we're going to bring it down the home stretch in the second half of the show today. And we're going to talk about the mechanics of the HSA, less the insurance side, more the savings side. And we're talk about how that works and how you can make investments inside that plan and grow that money and cover your health costs and medical costs. As always with the quirky questions, if you want to submit them, you can do so to Maggie with a Y at Newview Trust with a U. Maggie's our show producer. So Maggie with a Y, Newview Trust with a U.com. And we'll get those added to the list. But without further ado, Maggie, what do we got here? I'm going to go middle envelope today. All right. I will put myself on the hot seat for the quirky questions. Here we go. If you could have any animal as a sidekick, what would it be and why? Oh, man. I think this one for me, and at the risk of sounding a little too overly patriotic, I'm going to go an eagle. And I'm going to go an eagle for a handful of reasons here. But one, they got a bird's eye view and a true eagle eye, right? If there's anything that I want to know is what's going on over there? How do I see it? So I think that's super cool. The second thing is they're just awesome animals, right? They're fierce, they're powerful. But I saw a, an eagle one time dip down and grab something out of the water. And I just remember thinking like it grabbed this big old fish with ease, yanked it out. And I thought, man, with those level of talons and that level of wingspan and the ability to see for miles, like, 
what a cool animal. So yeah, I'd love to have my trusty eagle as my sidekick. Is it called soda, pop, cola, or anything else in its entirety? Well, this is an interesting one. I was born and raised here in Florida. For us, it's soda. We've never called it pop or cola. But being in Florida is a melting pot, and, and my family's from the Michigan area. It's pop. Without question, it's pop. So for me, it's soda. It always has been. It always will be. But in my household back home, we didn't drink much soda. But if we did, it typically was referred to as pop. But I just never really picked up on that. So yeah, soda for me. Question number three. If your life was a sitcom, what would the title of the show be? Oh boy, if your life was a sitcom. Some ways I feel like my life is a, a sitcom. I've got an amazing life. I have no complaints at all. But you know, between business stuff and, and I've got two kids that keep us incredibly entertained, I think it would have to be something with always being on the go. I don't know. It's not coming to me from a title specifically. Maybe it will in a second, but that title would have to be like the Energizer Bunny. My wife and I frequently tell ourselves we've got to slow down. Many of our friends will refer to when they're busy, they refer to it as living our lifestyle. We just stay busy between kids and sports and school and travel and work and fun and excitement. It seems like there's something going on every other day, if not every day. So yeah, it would be something that has to do with staying super, super busy, almost to a fault. But yes, that is a sitcom that, that is our life and, and certainly wouldn't want to live any other one. So I don't know if I answered it completely, but I guess since I asked the question of myself, I get to answer it however I'd like. So we'll leave it there. For those listening, if you have a good sitcom name for something that keeps us too busy, send those in to Maggie as well. And we'll certainly give some credit where credit's due maybe on the next podcast if something really good comes in. So there you have it. There's our quirky questions of the day. Thank you guys for continuing to submit those. We always have some fun with that love when we have guests and, and uh, selfishly love when we don't have a guest. And I get to answer those myself. Always a fun part of the segment. Let's go back now and let's bring it down the home stretch, right? We've talked about the insurance side a lot. We've talked about the fact that you can have this high deductible plan and you guys should be pricing this out and talking to your benefits counselors and making sure that you're not leaving anything on the table. But having high deductible health insurance alone is not the biggest value. The value and the wealth building strategy here is not the insurance, it's the ability to set up the HSA alongside the insurance. So a health savings account is what's called a special purpose plan. It works a lot like a retirement plan. It kind of looks and smells and walks and talks and feels like a retirement plan. You get a tax deduction to put the money in and then the money comes out tax-free for qualifying medical expenses. The beauty of the HSA is it's better than any retirement account. Because in every retirement account, I have to pay the tax somewhere. So if I put money into a traditional or, or any sort of pre-tax retirement account, I get a tax benefit today, but I got to pay the tax when I withdraw it. If I choose a Roth, I got to pay the tax to put it in. Even though it's tax-free on the way out, which is fantastic, I still have to pay the tax up front. They're not letting me double dip. They're going to get their tax from me in one way or the other, right? Seed or the crop. An HSA is tax deductible on the way in, regardless of your income. And it's 100% tax-free for qualifying medical expenses, regardless of your income. It's the only plan that allows you to double dip on the tax side. So from that standpoint alone, from a wealth building strategy, this plan trumps everything else because there's no other plan like it that gives you both ends of the tax tail and you actually get to benefit on both sides, right? Tax benefit today and tax benefit tomorrow. So 
from that standpoint, let's look at this and say, hey, this is a tool that I really need to determine how can I use and use its full potential. Now, contributions to HSAs are $3,850 for an individual plan, and they're $7,750 for a family plan. So that means that if I have coverage just for me, then I can put up to $3,850 into this account annually, right? Now, this is a plan we should be maxing out first because this plan is going to give us the greatest tax incentive. And we all know that likely over the course of our lives, medical expenses are going to continue to be there. So it's not a concern about, can I save too much money? Am I putting too much money in this HSA? Those are good problems to have. The second thing is we want to look at the strategy around these plans and the strategy associated with having an HSA and investing it. So a couple things. So the first thing I want to make sure everyone's familiar with as we approach the end of the year is the last month rule. In order to be eligible to make a full contribution to your health savings account, you would have to have established the insurance on the first, no later than the first day of the last month. So if you set up a high deductible health insurance December 15th, then you are not considered eligible for an HSA for 2023 because you did not have a high deductible health insurance plan on the first day of the last month of the year. So that would mean you'd have to have this set up by December 1st. So I share that for those of you, especially that are covered under maybe through your work and you're looking at talking that through, take a look at when open enrollment is. And if open enrollment opens on the 1st, you better start doing your research and sign on the 1st because you don't want to wait. If you wait, then the IRS will view that as the first eligibility year for you is actually 2024, right? So let's make sure we're thinking through those things. Second thing about an HSA is that If you withdraw money out of your HSA for non-qualifying medical expenses, you pay a 20% penalty. You're still going to pay tax as well. So you're really getting penalized twice. So I'll give you an example. I have a thousand bucks in my HSA and I want to take out 200 bucks to go buy whatever it is I want to buy, but I'm not using it for anything medical related. I just want it personally, right? I want to go out to dinner and a movie or whatever it is that 200 bucks gets you these days. If I do that, that is going to be reported as an HSA distribution, and you will not meet the qualifying medical expense exemption. Therefore, you will have to take the $200 as income for the year. So you got to pay tax on the $200, and you'll pay a 20% penalty on the $200. As you can see, not worth it. This is not a plan that you want to have and have money in that you intend to use personally. This is a plan earmarked for your health that you put money away in, hopefully you're offsetting your contributions by saving money on your premiums and getting some money from your employer. And you're investing this and using this as a tool to build your wealth. Speaking of investments, the beauty of this HSA is that you can fully invest this plan. You can fully self-direct it into alternatives, just like any other IRA held at Newview. So my HSA can actually participate in a private loan. It can own real estate right? It can invest into whatever it wants. It can buy public securities. It can buy crypto. It can buy tax liens. All of those are permissible. So not only can I save money into this new vehicle, right, that I'm hopefully getting some subsidization on in terms of putting money in through my employer and through my premium savings, but now I have a few thousand bucks here that I can turn around and invest. So if I go take that $3,000 I contribute and, and partner off, let's just say on a private note, earning 10%, that's another 300 bucks that's going right back into my HSA every year. 
And if I keep contributing and keep investing, we have HSAs that have well over $100,000 in them on our platform, lots of them. And that's just good quality strategy. If you want to get to that point, it starts by, do you have the high deductible plan? It doesn't make sense for you. And then once you do, are you maxing out your contributions? And I say maxing out the limits, 3850 or 7500 or whatever that number rounds off to or 7750, I believe. But are you maxing out how much you can afford to put in there? So this plan is great. Another thing I want to highlight is that if you put money into an HSA and you have a qualifying medical expense, you're not required to withdraw it at that exact time. So let's say I use the same example. I put $3,000 into my HSA and I go to the doctor and it costs me 80 bucks. Now, what most people would or could do is they'll go take the 80 bucks right out of their HSA. In fact, they may even use someone like an HSA bank or someone that'll give them a debit card for them to swipe it. Here's the problem. By paying that 80 bucks out of my HSA, I now have $80 less earning me money. So instead, what I do is I pay the 80 bucks out of my personal pocket, and then I save the receipt so that down the road, and as it stands today, I could take it next year, the year following. There's no statute of limitations on how long I can wait. So all the IRS wants to see is that when I withdrew it, I had an offsetting qualified medical expense. They don't care that the medical expense was a year or two years prior. So as of today, you have this luxury, right, which is we can keep all this money in our HSA, never withdraw, pay the expenses personally as long as we can afford to. And then down the road, when we've built a really nice nest egg, maybe we get to that $100,000 mark. Now I can go take the two, three, four hundred, five hundred thousand dollars $500,000 of expenses over the years I've accumulated and withdraw those. But withdrawing them at the time of expense is probably not a good idea if I can afford to pay them personally, because I'd much rather have that money working in my tax advantage, tax-free growth vehicle than I would having a few extra bucks in my checking account, which is taxable and likely not money that I'm going to use diligently. So for all of those reasons, it's really important that you really understand this HSA account and all the benefits that come with it. The last thing that I want you to kind of think about from an HSA standpoint is that there is a description or there are definitions around qualifying medical expenses. A qualified medical expense or QME is the exemption to that 20% penalty and tax. So before you go out and, and spend the money, you can actually go on there's websites that list all of these out, but you'd be amazed what's on that list. So for example, Tylenol pain relievers can be considered a qualifying medical expense. So if I can now go and use, buy my Advil and get and have a receipt that now is an IOU for tax-free money, I want to save those receipts. I may not go get the $8 or whatever a bottle of Advil costs these days out of my account right away, but I'm going to put that in the shoebox or scan it onto my hard drive so that I have a list because down the road, I want to have as many opportunities to withdraw my HSA tax-free. And the way I do that is by accumulating over the years, everything that's considered a qualifying medical expense. And by understanding what all my options are for qualifying medical expenses, it helps me know which receipts to throw in that shoebox. Right? So from an investment standpoint, inside a health savings account, you have full investment control and discretion. All income from your investments comes back into this account and any expenses associated with that 
investment would come out of the account. So if you're interested in trying to not only find more ways to save, save in a tax advantage manner and save in a subsidized manner by having your insurance premiums hopefully drop and having your employer possibly kick in some funds, this HSA is for you. If you have money or maybe you already have high deductible health insurance or you have money in an HSA, but you're just treating it as a bank account, you're earning very little, you're not investing it, you just kind of think it has to sit there with your debit card, the reality is it doesn't. You can transfer that account over to NewView and you can use that money more productively to self-direct into any asset class that you want. Just understand that if you do have that money fully invested and you have a medical expense, you don't have immediate access to that cash to go pay it. So as long as you're comfortable paying your expenses out of pocket and then getting reimbursed down the road, this HSA is a fantastic tool for you. And then lastly, when it comes to building wealth, the best way to build wealth, and we've talked about this on previous shows, is not just to make money, it's to make money and do it with good tax strategy. And if you think about this tool from an HSA, you can find ways to invest and make money, but you can couple that strategy into your HSA and do it in a tax-free, truly tax-free manner. That is the best of both worlds, and that is the ultimate wealth-building tool that's available to every one of you guys today. So for all of those reasons, I hope you guys go back and take a look at, at what your health insurance looks like today. Understand with those loved ones that are part of your uh, decision-making process what your needs are. But if you're like many people that may not have a strong need for day-to-day -day insurance, you just want to be covered for the big stuff, I would strongly encourage you to not just take a look at the health, the high-deductible health accounts, but I'd strongly encourage you to take every penny of premium savings that you have and drop that right into the HSA, and then hopefully make more contributions yourself all the way up to the limit. So that brings the show to an end today. I hope that you guys learned a little bit and got a couple of good nuggets out of here. At a minimum, if all this does is cause you to just be a little bit more eyes wide open during your next open enrollment or the next time you're in the marketplace looking for insurance, then I think we've done our jobs here. If you do have questions about any of the HSA products, certainly let us and our team know. We can put in the show notes some links to get a hold with, with of our team. Keep in mind, we are not insurance professionals. We are not licensed, nor do we sell insurance. So we understand high deductible health insurance at a high level, as much as I've explained to you. But if you're looking to shop plans, that's not the role that we serve. Certainly the marketplace or any of your enrollment counselors through your job or anywhere that you may seek your insurance from or independent insurance advisors are the best place to go for those types of questions. If you like what you guys heard today, please use the like, share, and subscribe button. That means a lot to us. That's how we know that we're continuing to provide the right type of content. And it just helps us grow our community of listeners. Our goal here is to help you build wealth through good quality alternative investment strategy and most importantly, through good quality tax planning. So thank you guys very much for joining us this week. And we'll look forward to seeing you guys next week. Thank you so much for listening. We hope the information within this podcast has given you the tools that you need to find your way to financial independence. We would love to partner with you on this journey. Text ALTS, that's A-L-T-S, to 407-708-1853 to learn more about how to get started today. Don't forget to follow us to make sure you don't miss a second of content, and we'll see you next week.